Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Now, we could stop there, and that's enough to preach on the rest of the time I have. See, it's not, says Chad. This pulpit is is a place that God has ordained in His eternal purpose to declare what He has promised to do amongst us, His people. We should have hearts filled with expectancy for God to speak to us as a community, corporately, but also individually. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. See, long before any idea, even correct idea or definitely some wrong ideas of women empowerment and women equality, the gospel already spoke that God empowers women by His Holy Spirit. That there is a place in the kingdom of God and what God's doing for women. It says, sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I want to preach a, a very simple message today titled, Season of Opportunity. Simple because it's just a, a declaration of what God said and it's up to the Holy Spirit to find hearts and minds and you and I that are open to allow Him to do what He wants to do, willing to do, can do, more than able to do. Amen? Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank You. We thank You for this moment to gather together in that name above every name, the name of Jesus. I thank You in the authority of that name that demons and plans of the enemy bow their knee, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you would help hearts and minds and marriages and lives be open for you to apply the victory of Jesus and the working that you long to do in our lives. I acknowledge my need of you, Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, you build your church. The gates of hell will not prevail. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's a unique day. Uh, No, not because the sun's actually shining. Uh, But it's unique because my charge today is to preach about a season of life that I personally have not yet had the chance to walk through. I would say this is one of the few um, times ever that 
in my preaching, what I'm declaring is not something personally that I've necessarily had to wrestle with in depth or live through or to know experientially. Um, and that is the season of our old age. Now, before you try to condemn this, this young pastor and preacher up here, God used the word old. I didn't. So if God used the word old, then that's sufficient for me. It means we don't have to be scared of that word old. It's a biblical word. It's a good word. It's an okay word. It's a word we don't have to fear. It is a word that fits within the plan and purpose of God. And though I've not yet walked through this season of our old age, my authority to do so rests not in me, but in what God's Word says to us about it. That being said, I thoroughly enjoyed my class in, in Bible school regarding ministry to adults. In fact, one of our core reading uh, was the book Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. Maybe you're aware of that or not, but I found that to be a wonderful read. Um, in fact, I've been fortunate for the Lord over the years to provide opportunities for me to spend time occasionally with people in their 80s or in their 70s and older. In fact, I currently have a relationship and access uh, to a man who's in his 80s to hear the stories of his life and the stories of his family, to um, allow him to share memories and things that he finds dear to him. In fact, he's a man who's lived through his wife's first, his first wife's passing uh, within the last five years and has just recently married his new bride uh, who had never been married before. Yeah, wow. And um, it, it's been a blessing to be able to observe them. Uh, in the beginning, when I first began to spend time with him, it was just me and him. And at, at that time, he was, you know, widowed and now when I get to spend time and visit him, I get to you know, meet his bride and see how they interact. And uh, It's just a wonderful thing to have the privilege to observe and to listen uh, to someone who is in that season of life. Now, I did recently uh, walk through many of the issues related to this season of life uh, as God allowed and, and uh, me the opportunity to care for my biological father until, until his passing. And uh, during that time, obviously walked with him with many issues related um, this season of our old age. Culturally, culturally, the latter years of life can often be viewed primarily through a negative lens. A negative lens. For example, even Solomon exhorted the youth to serve God before what he calls the difficult or evil days that are to come. He's not talking about the last days like the book of Revelation or an apocalypse series. He's talking about the last days of our physical life, our time here on earth. In fact, read this with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. He says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come 
And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. When the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain and the day when the keepers of the house tremble. He's talking about the the owners of the house, the people in the house are now to a place of old age where they tremble. They're dealing with some physical issues of growing old. They're dealing with a change in desires and, and a change in pleasure. It says the strong men, the men who were strong, now they begin to bow down, begin to see the frailty and the effects of sin upon the physical body. And when the grinders cease, now that's not the people that used to be at the club, who are now old age, it's talking about the teeth, the grinders. We got to make things clear to the youth today, brother. I mean, they got all kinds of weird language and stuff that we got to make sure we're all on the same page. But talking about the, the teeth have decayed and the sound of grinding is low. Many, they've lost many of their teeth, Solomon says. When one rises up at the sound of a bird, I mean, a, a, a little bird hits a branch and you wake up. A sensitivity, a, um, you know, older people just get up before I do, let me just say that, at the sound of a bird. And all the daughters of music are brought low and they're afraid of height and tears in the way when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper is a burden and desires fail. Desires fail. And man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Listen to me. Without a doubt, aging can bring some days of physical difficulty. But we also, as we read and look at Ecclesiastes 12 here, we have to remember Solomon is in a time where he's only viewing life through the lens of vanity and the lens of negativity. Now, I prefer and encourage all of us today to view aging in a more balanced way. And certainly by focusing more on the positives that are a possibility for this season because of God. See, here's my point. If you're in a, this season of life or we're all approaching it, we do not have to lose heart in this season of life because with God, it's a season of opportunity. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, the Apostle Paul said, therefore we do not lose heart. Why? He says, even though our outward man's perishing, our physical body, every tick of the clock, is experiencing more of the effects and the weight of sin upon our fallen bodies until the day of redemption and the hope of believers comes where we get instantly, in a twinkling of an eye, a glorified, resurrected body that never grows weary and never grows old. But until that time, Though the outward man, the body is perishing, we don't have to lose heart. Why? Because the inward man is being renewed day by day. That though the outward strength may begin to wane, the inner man can be strengthened day by day. I think about what Thetis Tenney, uh, the mother of uh, Tommy Tenney that many maybe know who's wrote several books and 
traveled and, and ministry around the world, but Thetis said, wisdom and patience compensate for waning strength and energy. When you think about this season of life, that wisdom and patience compensate for waning strength and energy. It's like the old you know, uh, quote that's often attributed to Abe Lincoln, and, uh, but many people have used it, so I, I don't know if he said it or not, but he said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the blade. See, when in our youthfulness, in our youth, we, we don't think like that. We have so much energy, you know. Sometimes people say, I got ADHD. No, you don't. You just got a lot of energy. Don't let people, you know, kids run around. That's normal. Don't let some doctor tell every kid that runs around he got ADHD and all that. No, he's got energy. <laughs> That's what he's got. He's got energy, and there's a lot of this new world he's looking around at. So, yeah, his focus is a little off. It's like a whole big world out there. So, in those days, energy and vitality and just youthfulness, it's like, who cares? We got all the time in the world. Let's take six hours to chop down the tree. But as you grow older, you say, hey, it's not always about working harder, it's about working wiser. Working wiser. And that's what Paul's saying. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man, the real you that's going to leave that earthly tent in that temporary vessel called your body one day can be renewed. The word renewed there means strengthened day by day. Day by day. Listen, for, for those of you, regardless of what age you're at, that's why some of your walk with Jesus sucks so bad. Let me just put it that way. My walk with Jesus sucked for a long time. I told the Steins this weekend, I said, yeah, I'm one of those that didn't know how to live the life. Had a desire, trying to figure it out, but my walk stunk. It stunk. And maybe that's where you're at. Because listen, you can't just go from Sunday to Sunday. You got to have your inner man strengthened day by day. If you only ate once a week, you'd probably be pretty physically weak. Well, you can't eat spiritually once a week. Your inner man, if you're born again, has to be strengthened day by day. That even though our inner man's made righteous and holy, when we're born again, God doesn't give you all the vitality and spiritual strength you need for the whole race before you. You got to get... Give me this day my daily bread. I need some daily grace, some daily strength. But as we grow older, the good news is we can grow wiser. That as we grow older, we can grow closer to God. As we grow older, we can inwardly grow stronger. As we grow older, we can still grow more fruit for God. We can still be fruitful for God. We can still be vital to the kingdom of God, to the plan of God, to the body of Christ, to the society and the community around us. As we grow older, we can grow more bolder. You ever talk to some older people? I remember we had a joke. I can't remember it specifically right now, but my grandmother, before she passed away, she basically say, I'm 70 and I'll say it if I want to. <laughs> Just, she just got a little bolder. 
As we grow older, we can grow more dependent on God. And dependency on God is a good thing. Let me tell you today, you can never go wrong by learning to depend on God more. As we grow older, we might become more dependent on others again for care. But this season provides an opportunity that we still can grow in humility and prepare our hearts before our Maker. Listen, as we grow older as followers of Christ, we can still dream dreams. As we grow older, it's still a season of opportunity. One person has said as we age, talking about believers, we are not in our declining years, we are in our ascending years if we operate from a vision of the kingdom of God. Is that not the truth? You're not in your descending years as a child of God because you're not going to descend to Sheol or Hades or what's called hell. No, it's like Proverbs declared, the path of the righteous winds upward. So the older we get, we're just ascending closer to our heavenly home, to where we're citizens. It's ascending years. This brings us to our main text today, Acts 2 and verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Notice the young men and the young women shall prophesy. Now Paul defines what New Testament prophecy is. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says it's to edify, it's to build up. Let me just simplify it for you, what it means in the Greek. To prophesy in the New Testament is to help up, to build up, and to stir up. That New Testament prophecy is a ministry of the Spirit through a brother and sister to another to encourage in the way to help them up, to build them up, and to stir them up for action for the kingdom of God. And notice it's the sons and daughters who help up, build up, and stir up. That's a good thing. But it's the old men and the old women who dream up. If the sons and daughters help up and build up and stir up, it's the old men and the old women in the kingdom of God that dream up. I'm believing that God wants a place in this place called Dwelling Place and He wants all His churches to have a dream team, a dream team, older brothers and sisters that's went longer than others in the way of faith and following Jesus and they are a team of dreamers. They're a dream team of dreaming up what God could do in this generation and the next generation that as they wait to go one more step and to see their father and Jesus face to face, that they're still dreaming for the kingdom of God to come on the earth. They're still dreaming for revival and God's power to touch the next generation. I'm believing that God wants a dream team of dreamers. Now, when I was growing up, the term dream team, it meant this. See how, how quick they are today. Yeah. When I was growing up in 1992, the dream team meant the USA basketball team. Well, we won't mention that, but but that was a star-studded team packed with ability, competence, and experience. They made other nations tremble. Oh, what if we had a dream team? 
of children of God in their latter years that's still dreaming up what God can do in the body of Christ and in communities and makes the enemy tremble. That the, that the saints of God, when they get older, they're not checking out of what God's doing on the earth. They are still checked in and they're still dreaming and they're still saying, well, maybe we didn't see it in our generation, but we can see it in this generation. And they're taking their lessons and they're taking their wisdom and they're taking their experience and they're pouring it into the next generation so that each generation, spiritual generation, the people of God, that we go from glory to glory, that the church just gets stronger and more like Jesus every generation that we're not being pushed back each generation the kingdom of God is still extending and still progressing and moving forward into unreached families and unreached neighborhoods into unreached hearts and minds that the kingdom of God is advancing I believe for a dream team that shall dream dreams spiritual dreams, dreams of what God can do and desires to do and will do. Now for those who have entered this season of life married, not just married but also having children, the roles of being a father and a mother have not ended, but they have drastically changed. Hence it's why there's the descriptive phrase to this time called the empty nesters. Empty nesters. The daily responsibilities and priorities of being a father and a mother have lessened almost completely, the daily ones. But it's providing now an opportunity in this season to dream again, to fulfill dreams that have been long placed on hold and serving the training and the admonition of the children. Some use this season as one of opportunity to enter back into the work field. Others use this as an opportunity to go back to school and to earn a degree or further their education. Some use it as a season to transition from career work to a job that they always desired but was unable to do because of financial burdens and responsibilities. This is a season of opportunity where you can give your full attention and care and energy and love to your spouse again. That your energy and your love doesn't have to be divided between the children and the spouse. You can fully give your attention and care and energy and love to your spouse again. I heard someone, I don't know who said it, Caprice, but someone called it the season of the blue peel. I don't know what that means. But full attention can go back to your mate, back to your spouse. It's a season of opportunity where you can travel together. It's a season of opportunity where you can retire together. It's a season of opportunity, here you go, where you can serve together. Where you can serve together the body of Christ and the local church and the kingdom of God. It's a season of opportunity you can stay up all night watching Hallmark if you're into that thing. <laughs> movie, marathon after movie. Because you don't have to wake up and go to work as long as that little bird don't wake you up. It's a season to dream together. In fact, Michelle and I, when uh, God called us to, to plant our first church and 
to go to the Philippines, uh, there was a elderly couple who was retired, and they had a burden for their native country. They had a burden for their family who was still back in their native country to encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ and His goodness. And they were a part of the church planning team, our church planning team that went to the Philippines, planted that church. Here's a couple, both retired, and they're not now passive. They, they don't have less purpose. No, no, no. They have a season of opportunity to be able to take more risk and give more attention and give more energy to the plan of God and the kingdom of God. and They were a part of our church planning team. It's a season to dream together. Now I want to say if you've reached a season of life and you're single or widowed, then I want to encourage and remind you the importance of being connected to the local body of Christ, to the family of God. That you're not alone, that you still have brothers and sisters and a family and you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And here's my question I want to ask all of us in regarding this season, specifically those that are currently in that season. Will you invest as a dreamer? God says, and the authority of His Word says, that if you're in this season of life, God wants to pour out the working of His Spirit upon your life. That God's empowerment and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not just for the young. From start to finish, God wants the ministry and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon His people. And He says the older men... in the faith and the older women in the faith, they shall dream dreams. So let me ask you, will you then invest as a dreamer? And then let me ask you this question, how will you invest? When you think of the word invest or investing, you got to understand that it don't happen by default. It must happen intentionally. Like if your money's just sitting in the bank right now, It's just not on its own by default going to find itself in an investment portfolio. You would have to be intentional to invest financially money. Listen, it's the same in the kingdom of God. If you're going to invest what you have learned and what you've received from the Lord, you're going to intentionally have to invest it. So the question we're faced with is will you be an investor for the kingdom of God? And how will you invest what you have received? Will you take what you have received in life and will you invest it in God-honoring dreams for His kingdom, for a better future, for the better uh, betterment of your family or your grandkids or your kids? How will you invest your wisdom? How will you invest your time? How will you invest your life lessons? 
How will you invest your money? How will you invest your talents and your skills? How will you invest in the next generation? How will you invest in those that are new in the Lord and following Jesus Christ? How will you invest in the young men and the young women who have vitality and desires to really be used of God and to do the hard work and the labor and the things like that that takes a lot of physical energy and physical strength? How will you invest? Listen, maybe you've come to a time when you need people to invest in your physical care again. But the younger generation needs you to invest in their spiritual care. I'll say it again. You've maybe come to a time in life when you need people to invest in your physical care again, but the younger generation needs you to invest in their spiritual care. Listen, investing, spiritual investing, kingdom investing, is faith working through love. It's faith working through love. In fact, I believe that when we grow older, if we stay open to the working of the Holy Spirit, we don't get more and more pessimistic. We get more and more optimistic because we've seen the faithfulness of God and even though there's some evil days in the world, it doesn't change the nature of our great God. It doesn't change the nature of our great gospel. It doesn't change the nature of our great King Jesus. And even though there is some evil and and hard days around us, we still believe that God is able, that it's still possible, that the dreamers, the people as they age that stay filled with the Holy Spirit, They still believe that God can do what seems impossible for man, but it's possible with God. That they have a faith that God can do it. They have a faith that it's not too late to see God touch that family member, to touch that grandkid, to grow that church to reach that city. They have a faith and that faith works through their love for God, their love for others, their love for the King Jesus and the kingdom of God. But when you think about investing, spiritual investing, we need a framework to help us think through how will you invest and where will you invest. I want to present a framework that you can use when you think about how you invest your wisdom and the lessons of life you've learned and the trials that you've been through and where you will invest. I want to present a framework called our core values of dwelling place. If you're not familiar with our core values, we have eight core values and they all start with M. The first is magnifying God. The second is memorable moments. The third is maintaining focus. The fourth is maturity journey. The fifth is molding the foundations. The sixth is mobilizing believers. The seventh is missional stewardship. And the eighth is a multicultural fellowship. Let me talk about this framework and number one of how you can spiritually invest in the kingdom of God and what God's doing in through magnifying God. If you're a growing disciple of the Lord Jesus, 
As you look back over your life, you will see your past dripping with God's grace, with His mercy, and with His forgiveness and His faithfulness. Listen, if you're a growing disciple, not just one who believes in Jesus, but if you're following Jesus, the longer you follow Him and the older you get, as you look back, you see your past dripping with the grace and the mercy and the faithfulness and the forgiveness of God. I'm 38 years old, and I can already tell you the reality of that. That I'll look back and you feel like, you know, not much has happened or you've been focusing on areas that need transformation or you've been trusting God to chisel your character and grow you into conformity to Christ and you feel like, you know, not much progress has happened but then you get to a point and you look back, sometimes it's five years, sometimes seven years, sometimes three years and your heart just gets overwhelmed and the joy of the Lord fills your eyes. Because you see the grace of God and His hand has never left you and His goodness has been with you and His faithfulness and the past drip with the abundance of God's nature and faithfulness. And yet, though the past drip with such faithfulness of God and such grace of God and such goodness of God, we look back, I'm certain, as the older we get, and we see the moments in the path where it wasn't us trusting in the footsteps of the Lord, but it was us trusting in our own footsteps, and there's some wayward moments, and there's some missteps, and there's now a time of life where a big R word begins to present itself, an R word called regret. And in this season of life, we face a major, major Goliath. The older we get, it's called regret. And I want to tell us today that regret, an experience of regret, is normal. But we have a choice. Will we deal with it supernaturally or will we deal with it naturally? Because you don't have to just live with the sting of regret, the older you get in the season you're in, you can allow the experience of regret to motivate you by God's Spirit to seek reconciliation. It's very important because the season of life we're looking at today, it confronts us with issues of regret, but then it provides a season of opportunity for reconciliation. I'm not certain, but I perceive that every kingdom disciple of the Lord's will look back and experience some form of regret. But listen, you can seek to reconcile where you find regret. To not seek reconciliation is a trap and a pitfall of the enemy. I'm confident that as we seek to invest in the area of magnifying God and honoring God with our life and worshiping God as we sing about as presenting ourselves as living vessels, as living sacrifices for Him, I'm confident that as we seek to invest in the area of magnifying God in our worship, that in our latter years we will yearn for reconciliation of peace where possible. 
Romans 12 and 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all persons. And maybe there's persons in your life that you look back and you have regret of how that relationship, you know, what happened in it or where it's at currently. And maybe it's not possible Maybe it's not practical due to the other person's will for a full reconciliation of relationship and consistent conversation. But listen to me, there still is the opportunity for your own heart to be reconciled with the issue before God, to come to peace with God and to acknowledge before God where you did make mistakes in that relationship and where there is regret, we still can have our hearts and our minds find reconciliation before God even if the other person, because of their unwillingness is not willing to be involved in reconciliation with us. We can reconcile the issue before God in our hearts and minds. And this is why this is a season of opportunity for prayer, of spending time reconciling things, not allowing regret to become a label over your head or a banner over the season, but to allow regret to move you to find reconciliation and to spend time in prayer with your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ so that the peace of reconciling issues through the cross of Jesus in our heart allows God's kingdom of peace to come in our minds and hearts. So let me ask you, how will you invest in prayer in this season. I'm confident the older you get as a growing following disciple of Jesus Christ that you will see the need of prayer because you'll see the need of God to work in ways that only He can work in. You've lived life long enough to know that there's so much that though you wanted the best for someone or you wanted this to happen in the world, that there's so much that we're not able to do with our own hands and that the older we get, we actually see the need of prayer more, that we need the hand of God to do what only His hand can do. To change what only He can change. In fact, 1 Timothy 5, 5, Paul, when he speaks to the older and he speaks to the widow, he says, now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. It's a season of opportunity. It's a season of prayer that before we leave the earth physically by leaving our body, we can sow seeds of prayer that though we're gone, our faith and our love working through faith and our prayers are still on the earth and for people on the earth and for the will of God upon the earth when we leave. I don't know about you, but when I leave, I'm going to leave spiritual investment of magnifying God in prayer upon the earth. That even though I might not be physically present with my children and Lord willing my grandchildren, the prayers I leave are still going to be with them. How will you invest through magnifying God? Reconciliation and peace and preparation and prayer. Secondly, how will you invest regarding memorable moments? Memories become some of the greatest assets of aging adults. especially as the people who the memories are about have passed away. Those memories are valuable reminders of the relationships we had with them. That's why when I spend time with my friend who's in his 80s, I mean, he walks me through, I mean, his whole life. He'll tell me stories and he'll tell me the stories again and then, I mean, he'll just continue 
to tell these memories. Why? Because in those memories are things that are precious to him. It's, a, it's his greatest asset. His greatest asset is not the money in the bank. His greatest asset to him at this point are the memories, the good memories of seeing God's faithfulness and things that's happened in his life. It's shown if you spend time with older adults. They love to tell stories. And they get more bolder. I'll never forget once I was with my, my grandma, uh, who's still alive, and, and she, she, she was asking about my kids because they weren't with me when I was visiting this time. And she said, are they like you? She said, when you were a little boy, you just would never shut up. You get more bolder. I just smile. You know, I don't, re- I don't recollect that, Grandma. God must have knew. Because here I am. <laughs> and here you are looking at the clock. So, How will you invest, listen, your memorable moments? How will you invest your memorable moments of life? How will you invest your salvation story? How will you invest it? Are you just going to take your salvation story of how the goodness and the mercy of the gospel reached you? A sinner who turned and began to follow your own ways and yet the gospel reached you? How are you going to invest that salvation story? Are you just going to take it with you or are you going to invest it in the next generation? Invest it in other vessels that God's raising up. Use it to allow others to dream that if God could reach me, He can reach your children and He can reach your grandchildren and He can reach your neighborhood and He can reach your co-workers. If God reached me, He can reach them. How will you invest your salvation story? For those of you that have been baptized and empowered to be able to supernaturally witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit baptism, how will you invest your Holy Spirit baptism story? How will you talk about when God supernaturally empowered you by the Holy Spirit and your life went from not just a natural walk but a supernatural walk? That then you didn't just talk about Jesus. God began to empower you to prophesy and speak prophetically to people or or to give you words of wisdom. How will you testify to your Holy Spirit baptism story? How will you testify and invest your marriage story? Think about how at the marriage retreat I had I told them I recently found a, a book and it went and researched couples who had been married 50 years or more. And they went and interviewed and listened and they tried to find nuggets of, of things that allow these marriages to, to reach such a wonderful milestone that so many unfortunately don't. And I think about those people, what were they doing? They're investing their marriage story in the next generation. They invested it in me. How will you invest your career story? How God gave you passions and He gave you talents and He allowed opportunities of education for you to to allow you to use your hands and use your life to glorify God through work. How will you invest your career story? How will you invest your God stories when God supernaturally provided, when He was a shepherd, when He was your peace, when He was your healer? How will you invest those stories? How will you invest your time left to create memorable moments for others? to create memorable moments for your grandchildren and your spiritual children, for members of your church. How will you use your time to create memorable moments for others? One thing God began to lead me already because one of my spiritual gifts and the way God's wired me is strategic thinking, meaning I have the ability to think long term. 
So even though I'm young, I'm normally, as far as thinking through issues of life, I'm normally, by God's grace, further out than most of my peers. It's the way God's wired me. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. So God began dealing with me several years ago about starting to write down miracles and His faithfulness that I've seen Him do for me and my family. And that's what this is. That's what this journal book is. is I'll take time and the prompting of God's Spirit and I'll begin to write stories out. In the beginning of the book, it says the purpose of this book. It lists scriptures that, because I'm going to make known God's faithfulness to all generations. It's a book of memories of God's power and miracles that I've seen in my life that I don't want to go to the grave forgetting to say that yes, I believe in Jesus and yes, I believe in God, but I believe in a supernatural Jesus. I've seen Him do supernatural things that I don't want my next generation of children and spiritual children to go back to some dead religion or go back to just doing outward things but not have a heart on flame for God. I want them to see that this God that they believe in is a real God. He's an ever-present help, that He is with them. He'll never leave them nor forsake them I want to ask you how will you invest your memorable moments it's the way God led me write them down so how will you invest in the area of magnifying God in the area of memorable moments number three in maintaining focus how will you invest your lessons in life that you've learned on how to maintain focus how did you not get distracted from things that were a priority in your life? How did you learn to prioritize the most pressing things? Listen, these are nuggets of wisdom many of us long for. Especially as we go through time, opportunities abound now. There's so many options. So you investing how you've learned to maintain focus. What a valuable thing. Number four, maturity journey. How will you invest in others on their maturity journey? Have you asked yourself this question? What part of the overall discipleship process of Jesus do you have a Holy Spirit-given passion for? Do you have a passion, a Holy Spirit-given passion for evangelism? A passion for connecting new believers to a local church? Do you have a passion for teaching and rightly communicating God's truth and His Word to others? Do you have a passion for counseling and listening? Being just a physical presence to, to others in difficult times? Do you have a, a passion to see people delivered, to see people mentored, to model the ways of the kingdom, to coach, to impart? How will you invest in others' maturity journey with the spiritual gifts God's given you? How will, listen, you invest in your own maturity journey? Though you physically might be growing weaker, are you still investing so that spiritually you're still growing stronger the stronger? That that day you, lo- you leave your body, it's just the n- next natural progression step to then see the one you've been following, been spending time with so long face to face. Number five, molding the foundations. Molding the foundations of the next generations, it's a core value of this movement and this church called Dwelling Place. And the question we have to ask ourselves when we think about how will we spiritually invest and, and, and will you invest is 
How will you invest in the training and the instructing of the next generation? And the next generation's marriages. How will you invest in the molding of the foundations of godly marriages for godly homes, for godly families? Because listen to me, you don't have to be a believer to know the reality of this if you want to go look at the stats and the reality. It's well documented. It cannot be in any way, shape, form, or fashion debated. That as the marriages go and as the home goes, society goes. How will we invest what we've learned about marriage to the next generation? The next generation. The breakdown of society is the breakdown of God's blueprint and plan of the family. Number six, mobilizing believers. How will you invest in seeing believers take their place in the body of Christ and other believers doing they're part of the ministry of Jesus Christ through His body on the earth. How will you invest personally by being mobilized? Listen, this is a season of opportunity. How will you invest it now? You probably have more resources than you maybe had before. You have more time, more freedom, more ability to do that. How will you be mobilized for the kingdom of God in ways you never did before? You can take local mission trips. You can take global mission trips. You can invest deeply by being mobilized for the work of service and the work of the gospel on the earth by serving and helping ministries that are an arm and extension of the kingdom of God. Number seven, missional stewardship. How will you invest your finances? You come, the older you get, you have to begin to make plans. Make plans. The older my children get, the clear their understand just because they're my children does not guarantee they'll get physical investment from me because the physical investment money that God provides for me he's provided for me as I've honored him and walked with him meaning the physical assets and resources God's given me it is going to be invested in those that walk with him and honor him now they're first come but they're going to have to serve the Lord and want to honor him for that investment to come. How will you invest your finances? Are you clear in your will? Are you clear in your estate planning? How will you invest your finances now? Listen, some have been very successful in their early seasons of life and they have significant resources that they can make a legacy impact on local churches. There are some people that God is so blessed and they've been so wise and working hard and, and, and saving that their resources, listen, can make such a legacy difference into so many families, into a community, into so many future generations for the gospel. In fact, there's some that's used God's wisdom and worked hard and diligent that they got into the place where they only live off 10 or 20% of what they have or what's coming in and they invest the rest of the 80% in the work of God. How will you invest through missional stewardship of finances? Now there's others, listen, based on situations or things you face, you feel like you're, you're a widow just with the, the widow's might. You don't have much. Do you know what Jesus said? When she threw in all that she did have, she gave more, he said, because she gave by faith. So don't allow just the level 
of what you can physically give resource, allow the level of your faith working through love to determine what, what God says and how significant it is. That widow's might, she threw in, and, and he said she's put in more. Why? Because she put in her faith working through love. So listen, how will you invest your spiritual gifts? How will you be a steward of it, of spiritual gifts? The keys will come. I think Jesse's here. And then eight, multicultural fellowship. When I think of how will you invest in the area of multicultural fellowship, I think about the needs for confession. Listen, there are people here today that live through a time in this country that some of us have no ability to completely enter in the reality of what was going on. But you do because you live there. How will you invest the lessons you've learned or the things you saw when it comes to unity between races and multicultural and the next generation? Because each generation should begin to have more empathy towards the weak and the foreign, foreigner among us. That's what God said. Each generation should begin to have a more willingness to try to connect with those that feel estranged or distant or, or, you know, not a part of the norm. Meaning each generation should go further in having healthy relational skills with people not like them. How will you invest those stories? I was blown away. I was back in one of my homelands, my family's homelands, places of origin. Michelle and I were in Scotland. And i got to be honest, I've not de- dealt with personally a lot of racism in, in life. And therefore, you don't really have a framework to expect racism when you've not really ex- you know, experienced it a lot. Because you've not experienced you don't think that people think that way. You know, you're just sort of out of sight, out of mind. And I walked into this shop, and there was this older Scottish woman there. And she looked up, and I was with my wife. Now, you can look at my wife. My wife ain't Scottish. And you know the first thing she said to me? She said, this is the type of place that when you walk in, you need to be aware of where you're walking in. I said, what's the problem here? She said, well, what clan are you from? I said, I'm from the correct clan. I know my crest. I know our motto. To live for God. She began to back up a little bit. Well, it didn't get better from there. Because <laughs> then she thought I was going to be completely in her thinking. She didn't understand, yeah, that's my origins, but let me tell you, my ultimate origin now is the kingdom of God. And I tell you, it was a, a very, very challenging experience. Challenging experience. My point is this. We need, older generation, we need the lessons that you have to be invested in all areas, including multicultural fellowship. Look at this verse again. Put it up, Acts 2 and 17, as the band comes. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I want to say today, dream dreamers. 
I want to say today by God's Spirit that it's not too late to dream for the kingdom of God. To allow God, regardless of age, to fill you with a dream for His glory, a dream from His name. And you don't have to have the vitality to do it. That's what the young and the faith are for. But you got to begin, older saints in God, you got to begin to dream. you got to begin to say, you know what, I've been through life. I've learned a lot. God's given me some wisdom. I've seen church try to do things this way and it didn't work out that well. But I've seen them do this and I've seen God use it. We need the older to dream dreamers and to find some young vessels to invest those spiritual dreams in who will say, you know what, I see that. I see that. That's bigger than what culture is saying. I see the trap that our generation, we're going to the other side in an extreme. We need the dreamers to feel the vessels filled with vitality and strength and want to prove something and go after something. We need the dreamers to dream and then to invest the God-given spiritual dreams into the next generation. You let God's Spirit cause you to dream again. To dream that things still can get better. That God's church still can go from glory to glory. That progress in the kingdom can happen in the community we're in. May God's Spirit today find some people that would begin to dream again. I want to tell the old, you can dream. You can dream that what you had to go through the hard way, the next generation don't have to. You can dream that the lessons and the things you learned the hard way, that you can pour into the next generation and they can get it the right way the first time. I want to say dream dreamers. I'm believing for a church filled with some dream team of dreamers. That the older in faith that's got the wisdom can go to the young and say, I see you have the zeal of the Lord. I see you're hungry to be used of God. Let me, let me impart the dream of God on how to do that to you. Because misguided zeal can cause a lot of damage. We need the older men and women in faith. We need you. We need you to dream. We need the dreams that God has given you to be imparted into us in the next generation. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.